Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. RockAuto.com, amazing selection, reliably low pricing. All the parts a car will ever need at RockAuto.com. I'm your host, Mike DeStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. You can follow the show while you're at it, at Locked On Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, leave a rating and a comment as well. I'll be hosting a giveaway once I receive 50 comments uh, or 50 reviews. So get those in. Let's win some prizes. All right, today uh, we got uh, a... a Nice episode coming up. Um, Austin Matthews nominated for a league award, so we are definitely going to talk about that and kind of see where he stacks up against the other nominees, and I'll I'll get to that in a minute. And then also, there was a big hoopla, we're going to call it a hoopla, made over referees being at the Toronto Maple Leafs practices, and the league kind of made a bit of a stink about it, and uh, so... We'll, we'll discuss what happened there, whether or not that the, that the Leafs are justified in having, you know, NHL refs there or not, or whether or not, you know, they should have been forced to to send them packing, I guess is essentially what they ended up doing, but we'll get to that. And then also, I, I got three questions that I want answered during these playoffs. So I got three big things on my mind that I'm hoping over the next couple of weeks we'll have those answered uh, before we get into the thick of things. So, uh, first, I do want to discuss, though, uh, Austin Matthews nominated for the Lady Bing Award, which is the uh, Sportsmanship and Gentleman Award, essentially. Um, so, Austin Matthews, along with Ryan O'Reilly of the St. Louis Blues and Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche. So, those three are your Lady Bing nominations. O'Reilly, a former winner back in 2014. Uh, Matthew's a first-time nominee, and uh, Nathan McKinnon as well. So, um, where does Matthew stack up against the 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 rest of the two? Well, let's kind of take a look here. Um, so, a lot of times, what's factored into this is okay, how good of a player are you? And then from there, they say, okay, how often are you, or how? Uh, basically the least amount of penalty minutes <laughs> do you take based on how much time on ice you have. So Austin Matthews this season, a career low, eight penalty minutes. He took four minor penalties all season long. That's it. Four of them. So that was tied for the league lead considering, um, you know, when you take a look at his ice time among lead scores, just eight penalty minutes. So uh, he stands a pretty good chance. And the thing that I really actually like about it is he only had four penalties this season, but he also showed some serious signs of growth in his defensive game as well. Like, you look at the second half of the season, he was one of the best, well, he was emerging as, you know, a premier two-way center in this league. And for a kid his size and his skill, that's what we were expecting when he came into the NHL. We didn't quite get as much of that over the first couple of seasons, and, and I think we were wrongly expecting it because we've seen guys like McDavid, guys like like um, you know, Crosby, uh, Captain Sirius, John Taze uh, came into the league and was was a defensive stalwart right away. Um, 
and I think we just put a little too much expectations that Matthews was going to get it right away. But I think something happened once Sheldon Keefe became the head coach of this team because he's really been a, a different player ever since. He's playing with a lot more tenacity, and he's really playing with that give-me-that-damn-puck attitude. And I think that that's, that's fantastic. And the fact that he was able to be a lot more aggressive in his game and be more, you know, uh, get takeaway space from players, ripping pucks off of players. Um, I think that the fact that it didn't lead to penalties, you know, didn't get a lot of uh, hooking calls, didn't get a lot of, of tripping calls or or high sticking, you know. So he was just stripping the puck off these guys and taking it and going the other way and scoring because, remember, he scored 47 this year in a shortened year as well. Um, so that's something that I honestly, uh, it, it was, it seems like it's been so long ago since we watched him play, but when he got nominated for the lady Bing, it just kind of reminded me like, yeah, you know what? That makes sense because he just kind of really started to evolve into a premier two way center this season, but didn't, take any penalties and just really just played sound defensive hockey sound two-way hockey really because he does play a 200 foot game so when you take a look at at this award um i think that he stands a chance here you know only took eight penalties this whole season i think he's got a pretty good shot against ryan o'reilly and nathan mckinnon so uh, I, I just want to congratulate Austin Matthews and, and good luck to you. Hopefully you can bring some you can bring some hardware back to Toronto. Um, that is you also can bring a ring back to Toronto, but at the very least, we can bring back a lady Bing as well. Uh, so today, interestingly enough as well, he was talking to media and, and they asked him, you know, what does it mean to be nominated for the Lady Bing? And he was like, Oh, it's a great honor, yada yada yada. But I think the more important part that I took out of that question, of that answer at least, was he says, you know, it's it's nice to be nominated for this award, but I want to be more physical. I do want to be more of a physical specimen in the playoffs and especially against Columbus where I think that that's going to be needed to beat Columbus because they're such a sound, structured, defensive, heavy team that you're going to need to play in-your-face hockey because they're going to force you to play that. You know, you're, he's going to have to go up against a Pierre-Luc Dubois every single night. And I can vividly remember, vividly remember, watching Austin Matthews and Pierre-Luc Dubois earlier this season go into a puck battle in the corner and seeing Austin Matthews get beat out by Dubois and have him skate out in front and score. I vividly remember this. I, I, I don't know why it's one of the goals that really, really struck a nerve with me early on this season. When I, I, I don't want to say Matthews was playing lazy, but it just seemed like his heart wasn't in it all the way. And I think that's kind of where a lot of conversations started to go with like, has Babcock lost this team? Because it just doesn't seem like they're playing 100% on a nightly basis like they do when Sheldon Keefe came in. So um, just a roundabout way of saying, uh, I, I, I love the fact that he's nominated for this award and the fact that he, he's, you know, happy to be nominated, but at the same time, he's like, that's great and all, but I do need to be more physical and I'm ready to take my game up to the next level and become a suffocating force in the league and try and be touted more as, as a, as a Bergeron type player than, uh, and, and try and get, you know, those awards. So I'm excited to see what Matthews does in the playoffs. I'm excited to see with this time off what 
that'll allow him to do as a player and, and, and keep evolving, you know? Like, this is basically a whole offseason that he's had. Essentially, everyone's had a whole offseason. And they could take those little those little intricacies of, of their game that they want to improve on, and this is the time to really do it. And throughout practice, Coach Sheldon Keefe has really preached defense, defense, defense. This team is so talented up front. They know how to score. They know how to move the puck around. The one thing that they've struggled with all season long is defense. Even when Keefe ended up coming into the mix, they still were allowing way too many goals. Way too many. They had a lot of injuries, both up front and on the back end. So that obviously didn't help. You know, Morgan Riley was out for a long time. Jake Muzzin was out for an extended period of time. So that obviously doesn't help when you got to play guys like Justin Hall and Travis Dermott 20 minutes plus a game. So, um, but now that everyone's healthy, I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. And if we can get an upgraded Austin Matthews, man, it's going to be good. Uh, it's be a good playoffs. Should be good. All right. Uh, so I also want to talk to you about these referee nonsense that was going on in the NHL over the last I don't know, 24 to 48 hours, I guess, that at this point, maybe. Uh, but first, let me tell you about Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to ship for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, price at Rock auto.com are always reliably low and are the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers so why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how'd you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts a car will ever need at rockauto.com all right, welcome back to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you at Mickey underscore Canuck on Twitter. Uh, so one of the big, I guess, storylines that was really taken over Toronto over the last 24 hours or so was the stupid referees that they brought in just to officiate camp. And apparently it was a big no-no around the league because other teams didn't have access to officials. So because of this, they thought that Toronto was getting a leg up because they were getting uh, a look at what the officials could, you know, what they, maybe they're getting a leg up because they can kind of test the waters and see what's going to get called and or whatnot. Like, I, that would be the only thing that I guess you could say might make sense if you're complaining about, you know, the Leafs having officials at their practices is, oh, they're, you know, it's kind of like a, a pre-scout. They're scouting to see what they could get away with so that when it comes down to game time, they know like, oh, okay, this this ref, we had him. You know, he he allows you to put a little bit more pressure on on the guy's stick and, and isn't going to call a hooking um, or what whatever they end up figuring out, I guess, when they're doing their quote-unquote scouting of these officials during these scrimmages I don't know I I think it's silly honestly like anybody could go out and get an official I don't really understand why it matters that like it's such a hoopla as I referred to it earlier that the Leafs are using the the NHL officials like 
at the end of the day, I think they also need to get into shape. They haven't gone out and they haven't played or they haven't refed a game in four months either. So they kind of want to get up to speed themselves. I understand, yeah, they've got those exhibition games that are going to be coming up. But at the same time, like, why not give them their own little practice by allowing them to do this? Like, I know that in the NFL, they have they they have teams that bring in officials all the time. All the time they do that. So I don't see why it's such a big deal in the NHL. Like, at the end of the day, you know, they say, well, if not everybody has access to these officials, then it's not fair, right? So, like, Arizona they don't have many guys who live in the state of Arizona or live over in, in Scottsdale so that, you know, they could just call somebody up and be like, hey, want to come in and ref our, our training camp. They don't have that luxury. And I guarantee you no one's going to be flying into Arizona these days with the COVID numbers. So I think that's the biggest thing that people are upset about is like, it's just not fair, right? Other teams aren't able to get the the real life officiating so that, you know, Toronto doesn't deserve to have that, or not deserve, but they shouldn't get that upper leg. They shouldn't get that advantage just because they're in a hot, a hotbed of a where officials probably live because Toronto's you know a major hub in the hockey world. Not only just because you know the Leafs are are the the you know the premier team in the league, but also a lot of players and coaches and officials all live within the GTA area. Like it's the most populated area in all of Canada and the most populated area that hockey players come from in the world at the end of the day. So it just makes sense that they could just call them up and it's like, hey, you know, where are you living? Oh, I live in Etobicoke. Okay. You want to drive 20 minutes down the highway and, uh, you know, come ref our scrimmage game? Yeah, sure. Be there soon. Right? Like they can easily do that. But I guess uh, they'll no longer be doing it because the Leafs, Basically, I guess they were essentially decided, all right, it's not worth the headache. The league doesn't want us doing it. The rest of the teams are upset. We'll just drop them and they can go find their own ice, I suppose, or, or get some other ice to, to warm up and, and get going. But I don't understand. I truly do not understand why it was such a big issue. If you think, if you're an opposing team, or if you oppose my view, even if you're a Toronto fan and you oppose my view, please reach out to me on Twitter and tell me why you are in favor or why you think it was justified for the opposing teams or the league to tell Toronto to let to tell them to stop using referees in their practices. Just give me a couple good reasons and I'll seriously consider them and then I'll come on the next pod and I'll, I'll concede if you can change my mind. I am inviting somebody to change my mind because to me, it honestly does not matter. Like, I don't think having a ref at your practice is going to make you play better in the game. I don't think it's an advantage at the end of the day. I really do not. You got a guy like John Tortorella. He's not going to take that and he's not going to use that as an excuse. Oh, well, they had they had coaches or they had um, referees at their practices for three weeks. And, and, you know, they were able to see what they could get away with. And if you look at the penalties, look at the score sheet, you'll see so many more on our team. Blah, blah, blah. And, like, he's not going to use that as an excuse. He'll just flat out say they were better. Because, he, he, you know, he owns it. He's a good coach. And if his team loses, that's because he didn't prepare them properly. He's not going to use the officials as a scapegoat. Unless, of course, 
you know, it was that one instance, I believe, in Chicago when their goalie ended up getting hurt because of a disallowed goal. Uh, that was a bit of a different story. But he's usually not going to use this as, as a scapegoat, especially something like this, where it's just practice. We talk about practice. Little Iverson, practice. Um, yeah, so the, the Leafs aren't going to be using the refs anymore. That's is what it is. Uh, don't want to talk about it anymore, to be honest. I just want to discuss it because I want to get off my chest because I just seriously don't understand why it's such a big deal and why the rest of the league has made it a big deal to the point where the Leafs were just like, okay, okay, fine. We won't use them, I guess, if it's going to be that big of an issue. So, uh, all right, let's move on here. Um, I do want to have a quick conversation. I have a few questions that I want to be answered over the next couple of weeks as we kind of enter into the playoffs. I, I, I got my, my top three questions that I, I'm, I want answered. The first question, and it will, it, it'll be answered pretty quickly. The first question I have, will Morgan Riley get back to the 2019 version of himself after having some much-needed time off? Because if you look at what he was last season and what he was this season, no. Night and day. Like, last year, he was a legitimate Norris-worthy candidate. For a while, I thought that he was going to be in the conversation to, to be a nominee. I really did. There are some people that had him on the ballot to be a nominee. They may have been some Toronto-based reporters, but, hey, he got some ballot votes. This season? No. <laughs> and a big reason for it, really, is is just because he was injured. Like, unfortunately, he, he just got... You know, an injury which kind of per, just, it was persistent to a point where he just could no longer play. Like, he tried to play through it and just got to a point where he just couldn't play anymore and he had to end up missing time. And then he came back with, like, what, maybe three, I think it was, what, like three weeks? Maybe a month before uh, before COVID hit. So he did end up getting a few a few weeks back into into gameplay before COVID hit, um, but again, like he was just starting to get get back to getting going, and then COVID hit, so he kind of ended up stalling out again. And my question is: Are are we going to see this Morgan Riley, or are we going to see a healthy Morgan Riley who looks like a Norse worthy candidate? Because I think those are two different players, <laughs> and the least success in my opinion, is going to kind of hinge on the fact that Morgan Riley plays like a top-pairing defenseman. I honestly believe it will. When Morgan Riley's carrying the puck and when Morgan Riley's pushing the puck, I think that that team is much more dominant. A big issue that I believe we had earlier this season with Riley was who he was playing with. That's Cody Ceci. The issue is that based on the practice lines and the scrimmages that we've seen so far, he's still on a line with Cody Ceci. That bothers me because I think that Morgan Riley needs to have somebody he can trust on the other side so that he can be the player that he knows he can be. You know, a guy who can jump up into the rush, a guy who can push the pace. If he's worried about leaving his man dry because he can't handle a two-on-one, he's not going to be as aggressive 
as he needs to be, as he can be when he's at his best. So at the same time, I don't know, it, it was a combination of who he was playing with and the fact that he wasn't completely healthy. And now that he's healthy, you know, we're going to, I guess, get to see now that he's going to be playing with, with CC. Well, I mean, realistically, CC has a chance to lose his spot. Like, let's let's not kid ourselves here. There's a couple of guys who could have taken a spot. You could you probably aren't going to move Justin Hole up there just because him and Muzzin are a shutdown pair. And it's insanely unfortunate that Lilligren ended up getting put on unfit to playlist and is no longer with the team. But do keep in mind that Travis Dermott does have a history of playing on the right side. And I could see Dermott moving up and playing on the right side with Riley. Or maybe flip Riley to the right side and have Dermott playing the left. If they're struggling, obviously it seems like they're going to try and make Riley and CeCe work. And if it doesn't, they're going to have to do some tinkering because in a five-game series, you don't have a chance. You can't play Cody Cece 20 to 23 minutes a game and have him make you know, his typical two or three gaffes in the defensive end, give away the puck, and now you're going to be losing games. And you can't afford to lose any games once you get to the playoffs. So it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they end up partnering up Riley and then hopefully he's fully healthy though and we could see a much better version of him regardless of who his partner is going to be all right uh, my second question which we talked a little bit about yesterday but I just want to bring it up once again and it's because there's been a lot more chatter about it today too again and it's whether or not we're going to see Nick Robertson at all Robertson was their their second round draft pick last season from the Peterborough Peets he is their number one top prospect in the system. And I think it's great that he's up here with the team and he ended up getting a chance to be on this playoff roster. That being said, I just don't know if he's going to be good enough or if he's going to show enough to supplant somebody who's currently on the roster. Like, you look at who they have on their team, and they got a pretty good top six, right? Like, you look at that top line, and they got Matthews centering it, and then on the flanks, you got Nylander, and you got Hyman. Well, you're not taking him off, not taking either of those guys off that line. And then you look at the second pairing, or the second line. You got Mikheyev, and you got Marner. Probably not taking either of those off that line to put in a guy who's never played a single shift in the NHL. Not even exhibition play, because... He didn't even get into an exhibition game earlier this season. He was sent straight back to the OHL. So, I don't know if we're going to see him in real game action. We'll get a chance in the exhibitions. I, I can almost guarantee that. But I don't know if we're going to get to see him in the actual games. It's going to take a, an injury or two in order to see him, in my opinion. I could be totally wrong. I could be. You know, Nick Robertson could come out and force Keefe's hand and just make him play him in the lineup. Whether that's on the on the second line, on the third line, maybe he decides to give him some fourth line minutes just to to see what he looks like against against NHL talent because I think next year he'll factor into the lineup. So why not get a little sneak peek of him in limited ice time in the playoffs? I mean, you could, sure. If he earns it, I'm all for it. I just don't see it happening. Like, when it comes down to it, 
Who are you going to put in? Kyle Clifford or Nick Robertson? Probably going to lean with a guy who's won a couple of cups. Right? So, although it would be awesome for Nick Robertson to push himself into the roster, I don't think it's likely. And the number one question that I need to have answered, and that will be answered very quickly in the playoffs, can Freddie Anderson knock off the rust quick enough to have a good start to the playoffs? Because if there's something that we know about Freddie Anderson, it's that he doesn't start well. His October numbers have been atrocious ever since he got to Toronto. And then he really, really picks it up in November and December. Starts to kind of round into form. And then uh, the new year, as he the season progresses, he kind of gets a little tired and falls back a little bit. Ends up playing a little bit too much. But this season is weird. It's different because, again, you had the stoppage in the middle of the season. So, you know, you get a guy who only played like roughly 50 games. He's, he's going to be pretty fresh. Like, he'll be pretty fresh. Plus, he's had four months off. So, really fresh. The problem is, whenever he gets a long extended time off, it takes him a little bit to round into form and to get going. Like in the regular season, it takes him an entire month of October to work out his kinks and to really get in the groove of things before he becomes Freddie November. Like this is the pattern that we see with Freddie every single year. We can't afford that right now because if he falters in three out of the next five games, that's it. That's it for the, for the, for the Maple Leaf season. It's a five-game series after being off for four months. Nearly five months by the time they get going. So what Anderson are we going to see? Is it going to be Freddie October who struggles or Freddie November who excels? I don't know, but I sure as hell hope that we get to see the November Freddie because that is the best Freddie and we know that because that's what the, the facts and that's what the stats say. So that's going to be something that I need to know that I really want to know quickly. And, and I think we'll figure it out. I assume he'll end up getting both of the um, both of the exhibition games, unless they're back-to-back. I can't remember if they're back-to-back or not. But we'll definitely get to see him. And if he looks like steady Freddy, all right, I think we're good. But he gives up a couple of weak goals. Ah, yeah. I might be putting my money elsewhere you know, onto a different series if that's the case. I'll be totally honest. Goaltending is going to be so key for these playoffs. Like these playoffs specifically, which of these goalies can get off to a hot start and carry the team for the first few weeks of this of the, the restart? Can Freddie do that? I don't know. Like, you can look around the league and take a look, and it just seems like it's, the goalie matchups are going to be what decides the 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 qualifying round. Like, can Carey Price steal games in, in Pittsburgh? Can Igor Shosturkin steal games for the Rangers? 
I seriously believe that goaltending is going to be key in the first few weeks of these playoffs just because you kind of got to, these goalies have to get rounded into form again and really they got to be in playoff shape after being off for four months. That's difficult to do. So that's my number one question. Which Freddy are we going to see? Freddy October or Freddy November? We got to hope that we see Freddy November. All right, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Locked On These Podcasts on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where me and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest news around the NHL. As for this show, I'll be back with another episode for you tomorrow. But until then, keep locked right here on Locked On Leafs.